Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am just so excited today to have Andy McNair on the pod. Andy is a good friend, one of my favorite edu advocates and just all around great people who uh, I, I love how she thinks about lesson design and her approach to all uh, of that. And you can find out more uh, about her approach in some of the books that she's had opportunity uh, to write, like A Meaningful Mess and more. And I just, I've gotten a chance to know Andy for several years now and just really appreciate the opportunities we get to talk. So Andy, welcome to the pod today. I am so excited to be here. Always look forward to this conversation. I know it's we say it every time that we connect, but I think just having a conversation with like-minded people is so inspiring and just an opportunity to share the good stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about being here. Uh, and I'm excited to learn more from this conversation about uh, one of your most recent initiatives, which is this passion-based teaching academy. Uh, and I know that really coming out of the variety of, I'm not saying out of the pandemic, I'm saying out of the variety of learning situations we've been in over the course of the pandemic, that we're looking for new and innovative ways to engage teachers, those of us that are supporting teachers, and, and the same thing applies to the classroom, uh, and to really, I don't know, extend the practices that I, I feel like that a lot of these new learning scenarios has raised the ceiling for what we have as a potential to do in the classroom uh, mm -hmm. because people have been exposed to their LMS more, to technology in new ways. They're not afraid to make videos. And with all those kind of pieces in place, uh, leveling up our practices uh, is something that I'm excited to, to talk with you more about, friends. So um, go ahead and I guess start maybe with a little bit of the backstory here for Passion-Based Teaching Academy. Well, there is definitely a backstory because I work at Region 12 now and I provide professional learning for educators and really absolutely love being able to spend some of my career pouring into teachers. There was a time that I was in the classroom. I spent 16 years in the classroom and about 10 or 11 years into my career, there was this really, I don't know how else to describe it other than to just say it was a little bit of a dark time. I, I fell into recognizing that what I was doing in the classroom wasn't meaningful for my learners. And I just got tired of playing a game that wasn't working. And I remember being in this kind of limbo of what do I do now? Like, do I leave education? Because everything in me was telling me that that would be the easy way out. Like if I, I could just go do something else. But I also knew that my heart was in the classroom. I loved teaching at some point. I just didn't love it in that moment. And I knew that there had to be something that would ignite that passion that I used to have for teaching and would reignite the passion for learning that I knew my students had. I just had to kind of find it again. And so for me, I remember going home that night that it all kind of all bubbled to the surface and having a conversation with my husband and just saying, I think I might be done. I don't think that I want to stay in the classroom anymore. And I also remember him saying to me, well, it's October. So I feel like maybe we should like, it. let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and we did. And I, full transparency, I, I got on social media and I just started looking for something like, is there something that teachers are doing that that is igniting that passion. And I, I was lucky enough to connect with the amazing Don Wetrick, right? And he was he was doing a webinar and he was talking with Brad Wade and Drew Minock about this thing called innovations, which honestly was a version of passion-based learning and genius hour. And as I started learning about this idea of genius hour and passion-based learning, for me, that was the one thing that really 
I was like, I can get on board with that. Like, I'm kind of excited about this. And I started to kind of have those feelings again of, wait a second, like, I can't wait to be in the classroom tomorrow to try this or to have this conversation. And, you know, to make a long story short, I didn't do a very good job of that. But to make a long story short, I had to go to my admin and have a hard conversation. And I was blessed to have supportive admin. But because I was willing to recognize in myself that I am on the verge of being done here, but being willing to seek out something that would reignite that passion again for me and my learners, I really believe with everything in me, when I look back on that, it was because of that intentionality that I stayed in education and why I'm still in education today and probably why I'm so passionate about it as well. (laughs) Two things really strike me as you're sharing that story, Andy, is that one, there are those points that we arrive at where you are starting to have those questions that you were asking and looking at where your journey in education has gone since that time, I can't imagine what would have happened had you not had you not stuck with it? Had you not, you know, found a way to seek out inspiration in a place that you maybe weren't intending to find it, social media, (laughs) and then there to connect with other passionate people and what that means to be passionate and why it's so important, right? Because you never know who you're getting the opportunity to, to inspire. And secondly, this does resonate with me in the present moment because I read an article recently that talked a little bit about burnout and the relationship between that and a term called bore out which Mm. I, B-O-R-E, and I, it's like, what is this about? And and that there's this idea that there comes a point where you get so burnout that you stop doing the creative, innovative things that fuel you and make you excited to come to work and try something new. And so then you get so bored that between your burnout and bore out, you're out. And uh, I really feel like that is contributing uh, to the present circumstances where we talk about teacher shortages and people leaving the profession. And so we need passion-based teaching. So talk to us a little bit more about that, like kind of then folding into uh, this new initiative of yours. Yeah. So as I kind of um, really started talking with teachers right now, and, and gosh, I just love the opportunity to be able to have the hard conversations. And I started hearing things and I've even started seeing this on social media, just the comment of, I love teaching, but I don't love being a teacher right now. And man, even though I wasn't in the classroom during a pandemic, that really resonated with me. And it resonates with me still because that was exactly how I felt. Like I wasn't turning my back on teaching. I knew how beneficial it was. It didn't help me for people to say like, you know, you're changing so many lives. Like I I wanted to do that with everything in me, but I couldn't find it in myself to keep doing what I was doing. And so as I hear educators right now, and we're in this place of, teachers making the decision, honestly, of do I stay in the classroom or what comes next or how do I find my place in all of this? I think that this opportunity to intentionally take ownership of some of the professional learning that we choose to experience, the ideas and strategies that we choose to explore, I think because of personal experience can play a big role in reigniting that passion that is honestly fizzling out because of our current circumstances. I couldn't agree more. It is tough to get professional development to stick in normal times. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's exceptionally tough given what's transpired again in the last couple of years. And how do you balance asking teachers to push forward in the midst of what they're all experiencing if it isn't something that comes from within, right? If there isn't that kind of intrinsic motivation where they really see and believe in it, 
Yeah. So I think, you know, as I was really thinking about this and considering, I I never thought in a million years that that story I just told would be relevant still today. But now as I look back, I really can feel, I think, some of those feelings that teachers are experiencing. So as I was thinking about passion-based learning and the role that it played in shifting everything for me and my learners, I began to consider like, you know, we let learners work on passion projects and we talk about how valuable that is and how meaningful it is. But when do we ever have the conversation of what it might look like if we as educators were able to pursue a passion project? If we were able to just get really honest with ourselves and say, you know what, there was this strategy that I heard about one time and it sounded so cool, but I was a little bit scared to try it. I didn't know what was going to happen or I didn't have time to make it a reality. But if I would have, it might have changed everything. I just think if we could be really intentional about making some of those things happen right now, we might be able to reignite that flame. And I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen for everybody. And I'm also not suggesting that we don't still have to do some of the expectations that are placed on us. I know that there's professional learning that we have to have. I know that there's professional learning that is so beneficial if we can just get to that place of reflection. But I wonder if with those things, if we could take time as educators to take ownership And think about what not passion-based learning looks like, but what passion-based teaching looks like. And so my definition of that is super simple because, hey, I don't like to make things harder than they are. Um, It's basically just passion-based teaching is intentionally seeking out the strategies, tools, and ideas that will be enjoyable for you and your learners. And I think that so often we just we just stop enjoying the work that we do. You know, the definition of passion is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. And I know that at one time I had that intense enthusiasm in the classroom. But for a little bit of time, if I'm honest, it didn't even exist. There was zero enthusiasm for what I was doing. And my learners picked up on that. <laughs> I think I, I may have heard Don Wedrick say this. I say it all the time, too, is just if you're bored teaching it, they're bored learning it. And, and I think that because we sometimes lose that passion for the work that we do, that pours over into our learners and they become disengaged and unwilling to invest simply because of, of our experiences as well. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I often find myself thinking about the very thing that you mentioned there. And I used to joke about it in college, right? Where you'd show up and you're like, today's lecture is on the ineffectiveness of lecturing two hours. <laughs> and you're yes. like, hold on, if it's like good for students, it should also be good for us as professionals. Uh, yep. And so leading into that as often as you can, is important. And so where do you suggest then that we sort of start off when it comes to thinking about uh, passion-based teaching? Yeah. So I think there's three kind of pieces that I've thought through that I think would be important. And then we'll talk a little bit about the academy and exactly what that's going to look like. But I think, first of all, it's about utilizing our strengths and interests as educators. I think if we're honest, a lot of us have forgotten what those even are. You know, we spend so much time pouring into our learners and pouring into parents and and colleagues that sometimes we forget who we are as educators and and what am I interested in and what would I like to try and what are my strengths and getting back to a place where we intentionally find those, I think can set us up to make this passion-based teaching a reality. You know, maybe to give us an example on the way through this, Mm -hmm. I was, as because as you were talking, I went back to a place in my own uh, practices where I was thinking about, I'd done a lot with personalized learning and I was getting to a point where I kind of wanted to take the next step and I didn't know what that was. uh, And I've always really been interested in games and gamification and as far back as I can remember, love making games. And so uh, that was like a a creative strength was to kind of build out those kind of pieces. And I wanted to lean into that a little bit more. 
So I'm going to just pause that story there and see, and because we've not practiced this. So I'm going to see if not. this plays out across this as principles to give us an example. Does that work? That's awesome. I think that's a great idea. Okay. So gamification was kind of your interest, something that um, even was your strength. I think that's perfect. And so the second piece is utilizing innovation or innovative ideas to solve problems because so often in education, I mean, let's just say this out loud. A lot of times there are cookie cutter solutions or there's, here's what you can do if this is the problem, but nobody knows a teacher's classroom and nobody knows a teacher's learners like that teacher. And so sometimes we have to be bold enough to say, hey, you know what, I'm willing to try all of those things. But there's this one, I really think this might solve the problem. And it's a different idea. It might seem a little bit, you know, out there, but it's, it's an innovative idea that I'd like to be given the opportunity to try. So utilizing your strengths, and then also using innovation to solve problems. Okay, so here's my question then to follow up with that. Where do people find innovation or innovative ideas, right? And so uh, I, I don't think there's one answer to that. There's probably a myriad of them, but let's just kind of like get a few places to start. If you're to say, be innovative, people go, oh my gosh, what are you talking about, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I'm not an innovation specialist, Andy. <laughs> um, and, and I hear that a lot. Like, gosh, I'm just not that creative or I don't think that way. And here's the good news. You don't have to because there's enough people out there that do. And so for me, I would tell you that when I was in the classroom, I don't think um, my last years in the classroom, maybe, but during this time, if you would have asked most people if I was innovative as an educator or if I was creative, they probably would have been like, absolutely not. She's great friends with the copier, you know, all of those <laughs> things. And so for me, innovation, I do think it can come from within. I do think sometimes teachers have great ideas on their own that sometimes we're just scared to share because we aren't sure if it'll work. But that's the beauty of innovation. It's almost the failure that makes it even more sometimes more of a learning opportunity. I also think our connections on social media, I know that seems a little bit cliche, but being able to connect with people like you or um, Michael Matera, or gosh, if I want to learn about Google, going and looking at Casey Bell's website. I mean, there's so many opportunities. And so I always think sometimes it's not about using that person's exact idea, but for me, sometimes that can be a springboard. Like, oh, that's, I've thought about that before. I wonder if I could take this one step further, or maybe I need to take it one step back if it's too far for me. But I think sometimes it can happen internally. I think sometimes it's through social media. And then honestly, sometimes I think the conversations that we have with our colleagues, I have heard teachers in professional learning experiences. They don't know that I'm hearing them, but I'll walk by and they'll be having this conversation, this what if conversation, like, what if we did this? And I'm like, what if you did? Like, if you did, that might change everything. And I think those little what ifs that kind of spark up in the conversations that we have with our colleagues, it may not be a huge innovative idea that's going to change the world, or it might not be our perspective that it will do that. But if it's innovative to you, if it's not something you've tried in your classroom before, then it's innovation and it deserves, it deserves a place, I think. Absolutely. And I would add even a fourth one to that. Uh, that Tara Martin and I actually talked about over the course of last summer is that sometimes it's actually by pushing yourself and growing in areas outside of education that you gain an experience that then through that lens, you're able to see your work differently. And that's what it, innovation can be at times is just taking something that's in a different context and having that translate uh, over into what you're doing in the classroom. I watch my daughter play all these different games on Roblox and have thought so many times to myself, wow, it'd be so fun to capitalize on the energy around this and bring that in. But that certainly is not something I'm going to pick up at a conference consistently, mm -hmm. at least. Uh, and so I absolutely love that. 
Yeah, so true. I want to say one more thing to that, because I think that is a huge point. It's so true that a lot of times it, it has nothing to do with being at school. You experience that. Out of that. In fact, we've done something recently here at ESC Region 12 and uh, Carrie Espen, who is a colleague of mine, we've done this thing called Destination PD before, where we take educators outside of the space and we go to the zoo or we took a group of educators. This was so fun. If you ever get a chance to go, National Video Game Museum in Frisco, Texas is amazing. And so we had this entire professional learning experience about designing learning experiences at the video game museum and it just being in a different space and experiencing professional learning in a different way they were able to ignite ideas that i promise you they never would have thought of if we were sitting in their campus cafeteria or if they were in a traditional professional learning space so i think oftentimes taking the learning somewhere else sometimes that's called learning on location i know i think region 10 calls it that and sometimes it's destination pd or it's just innovative professional learning but being in a different space sometimes can can spark those ideas as well so and it's important to lean into those and i'll kind of merge that with a point that you were making earlier in that i think sometimes we get so fixed with well what is the expectation i'm only gonna do the expectation please tell me the expectation and then we also get to the point where we're like well we have this really good idea but i'm scared to do that or or you do that and you kind of go too far and then it doesn't go well or you kind of get your hand slapped maybe if it yes. uh, and so i think finding that sweet spot where there is something that is already that is a great idea uh, that's out there. And you've mentioned social media, for example, that, that you go, okay, and, and modifying to make that stuff your own. Uh, and then also like trying to collaborate in house uh, with folks and bring in things from your own experience. That's where it goes from being cookie cutter to your own, but mm -hmm. maybe not this kind of pie in the sky, uh, really extended effort that makes you feel uncomfortable or that you can't really yeah. implement it with fidelity to what you're being asked to do uh, as a classroom practitioner in that district. I like what you said about pie in the sky. Like there's a line there mm -hmm. that can be crossed. Like, whoo, that is way out there. And I, I think some of those ideas end up working out, but I also think that's the benefit of, of something like a passion-based teaching academy where we're able to come together as a community and pitch ideas to each other and, and to get feedback, like to have somebody say, like sometimes I have those big ideas and then I'll go to the team and they'll be like, Andy, like, come on, is that doable? Is that manageable? It's, it's going to be meaningful hundred percent, but is it going to be manageable? Maybe not. And sometimes hearing that different perspective will bring me back down to, you're right, I want to do this, but I want to do it in a way that makes sense. And sometimes that other perspective can, can help with that. So utilizing your strengths, solving problems, <laughs> and then the third one um, is taking back ownership. Um, and, and look, I don't think that teachers have, I think in some cases, ownership can be taken away, but I think some of it is we don't take ownership because a lot of times we feel like our voices aren't enough or maybe don't matter, or we can't make the difference that we need to make. And I think we have to get back to a place where we recognize that teacher voices do matter. And like I said earlier, teachers know their classroom better than anybody else. And so if we wanna know what's working and what's not working, the best people to ask are teachers and the learners themselves. And I think when we start having those really real conversations about what's working, what's not working, and how do we get better, and we bring teachers and learners to the table, that's when real sustainable change in education will start to happen and will start to be authentic enough to be carried out for sure. 
Yes. Amen. <laughs> Andy, that's why I ask you to talk all the time. Yeah, preach is exactly right. Because, uh, and I love that we kind of merged onto point three there because I, I felt like what I wanted to share next to like fits right with that. You know, it's almost, uh, you always say like shoot for the stars, right? Or like shoot for the moon. And, and I think what ends up happening is you kind of, you see it that pie in the sky idea. And you take a couple steps towards it and you go, wait, well, hold oh. on. I'm actually angled. It moved. And it's actually, yes. and, and it, you zigzag your way uh, to a place that, and then you get back to the cliche, shoot for the moon, end up in the stars kind of thing. Uh, we, but there's some, like, that's a cliche because it, it exists. And that mm -hmm. is oftentimes how this stuff plays out. And what guides you along that way, I think you said it really eloquently there, is your own sensibility navigating that but feedback and feedback that comes from people who are in that experience and that's the learners and the more that we listen to that the straighter that line ends up being oftentimes even though it might be a heavier lift uh sometimes yeah. in the process of so true so when you think about those three things utilizing your strengths solving problems and taking back ownership as far as gamification goes do you think that that kind of is that kind of what played out or oh yeah thank you i uh <laughs> So what I did was I ended up uh, at a conference and I talked with Steven Isaacs and Steven Isaacs is like, hey, there's this dude, Paul Dervazi that you should reach out to. And so I like read Paul's blog uh, and I was like, this guy's brilliant. And so I reached out to Paul and we started to collaborate. He lives uh, at the time, lives in Toronto, lives in Montreal now. And we'd never met, but we Skyped at the time. And then it have since uh, he actually will be on an upcoming episode of uh, this podcast uh, because we collaborated so much and I learned so much about what he had done with alternate reality games and designing those types of almost theatrical experiences for a classroom by the simplest way to say that and it did I, I never had more fun uh, as mm -hmm. a teacher than I did in pursuing that and I didn't do it exactly like Paul did but Paul definitely you know gave me some insights uh, gave me some great feedback uh, and was a phenomenal thought partner and all that and I absolutely loved it and my one of my former students babysits my kids sometimes and she said that was the most fun i ever had at school uh, <laughs> and learning that. at the same time you had fun say that again i'm sorry I, and learning at the same time oh yes learning at the same time i love that because i think that whole idea like you said in the middle of that and you were just they can't see you but grinning ear to ear and you said and i had so much fun and i honestly so i was doing a professional learning i can't even remember where i was but a teacher came up to me during the break and he said you know you said something to me that i have not heard in 17 years of being in the teaching profession. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, what did I say? Like, this is concerning. Um, and he said, I've always heard people talk about how it should be meaningful for our learners and how it should be fun for them. But I've never heard somebody say how it should be fun for me too. And that's not okay. Like it should be fun for teachers as well. We can't just, it is so important for it to be manageable and meaningful for our learners. But on the flip side of that is teachers should enjoy being in the classroom as well. And as much as teachers support learners, it should be our job, those of us that are in the professional learning community and that design those things, our job should be to create those experiences for teachers so that it is fun. And I know we talked about this on the last, you hopped on my podcast not too long ago, and we talked about the same thing, but we talk about self-care, 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 and there's a place for that, but there also has to be a place for others those of us in the community to come together and care for teachers. And I think one way we can care for them is to help them find that, that fun again. And so that's really what the Passion-Based Teaching Academy is all about, is just helping a teacher look inward and say, you know what, I have some ideas. I think I might know some things and I'm gonna be intentional about giving myself the time 
and the just the community support to make this a reality in my classroom, I'm at least going to try it out, right? You're speaking so much from the heart of what our service agencies nationally, right, mm -hmm. do. Uh, we didn't preface this well enough earlier, but you're working at uh, ESC in Texas, where our podcast is for our ESUs here in Nebraska. But, but you're right, those in support of classroom teachers. And I, you know, I think of some of the efforts I've seen within our state, at ESU 9, there's a new to the profession teacher session that our ESU 9 PD colleagues lead where, I, I mean, they get dressed up, they do a rap, which we actually had on the podcast here at one point in time that like the, to the ice ice baby, like rhythm <laughs> where it's all about teaching and you cannot experience that uh, without not only finding the joy in learning, but mm -hmm. then to start to think to yourself, dang, how do I do this in my own classroom as well? And so I do think there's a transfer there. Yeah, I think the transfer is so important. Like for me, if I sit through, I think like you said earlier about the lectures, like if I'm sitting through somebody telling me not to do something and they're doing that, it makes it really hard to authentically want to be a part of that. And so I think it's so important that we start to come together as a community and we start listening and we start asking teachers, hey, what is it? What is it that you want to experience from a professional learning session or experience and what would make it meaningful for you? And what can we do to support you right now during this difficult time so that you can be there to support our learners? Because when they're having to support themselves and their learners, I think that's when things get really heavy and hard as it would for any of us. So, so yeah, those are kind of the three things. I hope that makes sense. I hope words are coming out. That makes sense. It does. And so now I'm curious, right now I'm like, Andy, I'm, I'm down for some passion-based teaching. Tell me more about the academy itself, right? And so where did this, what was the brainchild for this and where in the process are things? Okay, so because passion-based learning has always been near and dear to my heart, I created a process called the six P's of passion projects um, where my learners had a process or a roadmap to utilize as they worked on a passion project. And, and sometimes when I'm working on my own passion projects, I use that same roadmap. I just use it a little bit different. And so I thought, you know what? I think with the Passion-Based Teaching Academy, we're gonna just stick with what I know and what has worked. And I think having a roadmap is important. And so basically the academy is gonna work by us having six virtual connections, virtual workshops that'll be live or they can watch the recording. And it's over the course of 12 weeks. And that's simply because I didn't want teachers or myself <laughs> to feel like we had to be on something every single week. I wanted there to be a two-week break in between each connection for the opportunity to apply what we've talked about. And so we'll start with our passions. Like we'll start with how do I figure out what I'm passionate about and what I want to pursue in my classroom? And how does it align with my campus, district, the goals that we have, those types of things. The next part will be intentionally planning that out, like purposefully planning how do I make this happen in a way that makes sense for me and my learners? And I think that's the part sometimes teachers don't have time to do is purposefully plan. They plan for their learners, but purposefully planning something we really want to make a priority and spending a lot of time on that is, is hard, honestly. And then the next part is kind of my favorite. It's, it's just going to be the opportunity to pitch that idea to the Passion-Based Teaching Academy community and just letting people say, like, I think that's a great idea. Have you thought about this? Or you know what? I don't, that's going to be really hard to do. How are you going to overcome this obstacle? And for me, that's one of the most beneficial things anytime I'm innovating or thinking of new ideas is to be able to pitch those ideas to my colleagues or 
people like you and say, hey, what do you even think? Is this even like something that could work? And to have some people say, I think it can, but have you thought about? So pitching the idea and then just time to work, do the work, right? We're going to work on the project, connect with an outside expert, hopefully that has like for you, you were sharing your outside experts that you talked to about gamification. For me, my outside expert, I reached out to Don Wetrick when I wanted to learn more about Genius Hour, but really being intentional about, let me talk to somebody who's doing this so that I can get the real deal on what this looks like. And then finally, creating a product to share and then presenting your idea to whoever it is that makes decisions and can kind of support you in this journey. And so I think those steps make sense. Again, passion, plan, pitch, project, product, presentation. Those are the six P's of passion projects. I'm always like, I could mess that up really easily. So sometimes <laughs> I'm like, let me get it all out at once. But going through those pieces and then just making it happen. I just think it's, I think it's something that so many teachers have thought about. I think that almost every teacher would tell you that at some time, at some point there was an idea, there was something they wanted to try and either because of fear or time or resources, they didn't do it. And this is just an opportunity to say, you know what, I trust myself enough right now and I need to find my joy in teaching again. So I'm going to pour into myself for a little bit for 12 weeks, <laughs> right? So that resonates with me because I spent about three years working as a personalized learning collaborator, but it really became more of an innovation coach role because mm -hmm. some of the things we did were personalized, those were differentiated and various shades in between. And, you know, what you shared there, I made the connection with there being teachers who had a big dream and they pursued that and they got about a week away from launching it. And for some of them, they were like, if this is what it's going to take, I'm not doing this again. Mm -hmm. And you really had to be a good colleague and support them and say, yeah, but you're so close. Like you're right there. Like I'm here to help you. I'm like, and you would have these conversations. And then the second that that thing launched and you saw the energy it brought to the room and the, the educator's ability to feed off of that and that reciprocity, like just really ringing in the space and throughout the experience, uh, then they didn't have to, they're like, oh, I will definitely do this again mm -hmm. because I now feel the payoff. I think that initial realization of that or revisiting that, right? Maybe you experienced that in the first five years of your career, but now you're 20 years in and you maybe don't even believe that it's possible for you to get to that place again. It can. That's what our podcast here today is telling you about. So long as you focus in on those passions. Yeah. And that's the goal really of the Passion-Based Teaching Academy is, is, and that's the other part of it is there will be opportunities to connect continually with me. I, there will be a community. I even have planned out like these opportunities to hop on Boxer and just have spur of the moment conversations. I don't want it to feel like, oh, I have to wait until Tuesday at whatever time to talk to Andy. I want it to be like, hey, for that time. And even after that time, I just want you to be able to say, hey, I'm frustrated with this, or I don't know what to do with this idea or this thought, and just really have support in that. And then the goal ultimately being, could we maybe could that just be something that becomes the way that we think as teachers? Like every once in a while, we just make the choice to do a passion project. And after going through this academy, my hope is that they will have the tools as educators and the inspiration to do so. I absolutely love that and hope that districts consider what it would mean to do that for staff, right? Like what mm -hmm. it would mean to uh, allow everyone to pick their passion project and get away from some of that, like you said, cookie cutter where, hey, I'm a health and physical science teacher and this is geared more towards the core standards you know you hear yes. those kind of things all the time and mm -hmm. you know supporting that has its own challenges but i really like the roadmap that you put together there 
Yeah, so so a couple of just logistical details I'll share about the Passion Based Teaching Academy now that you guys kind of know how it's going to work and it, I get so excited explaining it. I hope I was clear about kind of what it's going to look like. But if you want to know more, first of all, it's going to it's going to start out on uh, February 1st. That's when we're launching um, and then we'll have our first live virtual connection on February 2nd. And so the cost of the Academy is one hundred and twenty five dollars. But I want to be very transparent and tell you that when you register, there is um, obviously you can do the one time payment you can do a payment plan there's also an opportunity to register for free and look i don't you don't have to tell me why you're registering for free i don't care i just want if this is something you need as an educator right now I want you to have the opportunity to do it so regardless of what you choose you'll get access to the course you'll have some information but february 1st which is really soon is when it when it's kicking off and I, you guys i like I'm giddy about it. I'm so excited about just being able to have real conversations with teachers and let's just get real honest about what we need and how we take ownership of our professional learning so that we can do what we know needs to be done in our classrooms. Well, anything gets my friend Andy McNair that excited, I'm on board with. I'm going to support. <laughs> I'm here for it because I know that you practice what you preach and bring that passion yourself uh, to everything that you're invested in. And so I really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I love that vision as well to not only have, because it is, I mean, it's time, effort, energy on your part to put these types of experiences together, but to make space too for people because we don't want to make that exclusive is yeah. uh just a really cool vision for that piece as well. What am I, what am I not asking Andy? I guess kind of last question uh, um, to a close. I think the last thing that I would say, I always just want to make it abundantly clear that I, you know, now in the work that I do, I know how valuable professional learning is. And I know that there are expectations placed on teachers and things that we have to do. And I am in no way saying that this is going to take the place of those things. I just think that we also have to give that autonomy and find that purpose again for the work that we do. And I think this could be a way to do it. So that being said, um, you can find out more information about the Passion-Based Teaching Academy at bit.ly. I'm gonna explain this the best way I can. bit.ly slash PBTA stands for Passion-Based Teaching Academy. PBTA is all caps and then registration is all lowercase. So bit.ly slash PBTA registration. And it has all of the information there. That's where you can register and just find a lot of additional information for sure. Terrific. You can also find that in the show notes. I'll be sure to include that there as well. And so uh, once again, Andy, when I see that you're on my calendar, I look forward to getting a chance to chat. Thank you. Uh, and it does just really inspire me. And I'm really grateful that there are people like you out in the world doing the kind of work that gets me excited for teachers and where our, our profession is headed moving forward. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think it's a really difficult time to be a teacher, but I think exciting things are coming. So no doubt. Well, thank you for your leadership and make sure that everybody checks out this passion-based teaching academy starting February 1st. Thanks.